Um, well, we are uh, transition COVID. We've got pastors joining us online. I mean, you know, so. Um, yeah, so we're so probably best to do a one week, uh, you know, one week at a time, and and you know, kind of more of a standalone rather than try to build the the uh, uh, the momentum. So we've been in uh, Revelation. We've been talking about end times, really, and uh, um, and so. Uh, So trying to, to build back towards, so we went through Revelation quickly, going through some passages, and now we're trying to head back to Revelation. So what, uh, are there any questions uh, up to this point? I know there's questions, but. Specifically about Revelation. Specifically about Revelation or about end times or prophets or anything in the Bible. <laughs> Can we narrow it down to that? What's with the. Mud farmers, yep. So here's the question for you all, for guys online. So we're, so turn to, to Daniel chapter 9, um, and uh, and let's talk about the, the weeks. It's translated question. 70 weeks. So the question is, why weeks? What's the significance of weeks? Why is it, why does it say that? Why, you know, why not say, yeah, right. Okay. Daniel. Uh, so in Daniel... Uh, chapter uh, so so the word shava the word is means seven shavaim uh, is seven the word for seven uh, if they if you make it plural it's uh, it's sevens right uh, and so that's really all that the word means is seventy sevens. Um, uh, that would be the word that's translated weeks. Okay, so in chapter nine, Ezekiel, Daniel, chapter nine, um, verse uh, twenty. Pick it up in twenty-four. Now, um, in other places in the Bible, the, there. Okay, so let me say it this way: there, there is no word really for weeks. A week, uh, it is a set of seven days. So they would say, "How long? Seven. You know, you know the 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 days of the week. As we talk about a week, they would refer to it as the days of seven, the seven days of the week. And so, um, you know, weeks is." Is often the word is often translated as weeks because that's what it's referring to. It's referring to days, seven days, right, or sets of seven days, which would be weeks. Uh, so when when the context is days, um, seven days, it 
we just translate it as weak rather than saying a seven. That wouldn't make sense to people. Um, uh, and so it's just a translation. Uh, but that word um, is often translated weak or weeks in the Bible because it's talking about sets of seven days. But here, um, the context isn't seven days, it's years. It's, it's seven years. Why do we know it's seven years? Go back to Daniel chapter 1. This is why um, um, this is why reading the Bible in a way, in a comprehensive way, so that wherever you're reading, you're not reading the book of Jonah. You're reading Jonah's part in the story of the Bible, right? 66 books, all unified, all talking of the same thing. So, um, so in Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 9, Close my Bible there. Get back there. Um, this is the uh, we're, we're in the prophets section of the story. Okay, and I say the prophets section. That's really not technically correct, um, but for the way that we think about the prophets, it's probably the writing prophets: Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Um, the, the, the kind of these books are all written. Um, you know, starting in the ninth century and going towards uh, the, you know, fifth century, right, BC. Um, and so when we think of prophets, that, that should be the time frame that we're thinking of when we, because when we think of prophets, we think of writing prophets. Okay. Is that making sense? Are I tracking so far? Um, depending upon how um, involved you get in Bible study, um, if you come to seminary, um, well, and even the New Testament use, uses prophets in a different way. The law and the prophets, you've heard this, the law and the prophets, that, that's a phrase you will read in the New Testament. Um, the prophets are not referring to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Um, those are the, the, the latter prophets, not L-A-D-D-E-R, but L-A-T-T-E-R. <laughs> latter, as in came later. Uh, the former prophets... Um, would be uh, the, 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 the writers who wrote uh, um, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings. Okay. Um, and so the former prophets, the latter prophets. So when we talk about the prophets as a whole, it's former and latter. So the law and the prophets would be the law, Torah, and the prophets, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And remember, all of the, the, the latter prophets or the writing prophets are writing during the time of the kings. Okay? So former, leading up to the book of Kings, the, the, the reign of the kings, the latter prophets are writing during the, the time of the kings, the reign of the kings. Is that, is that making sense? Okay, now. Um, so... Um, as the story of the Bible goes, uh, if Israel is obedient, this is when they're given the law. Moses gives the law to the first generation. When the first generation rebels against the Lord, um, the Lord takes them back into the wilderness. This is in the book of Numbers, and they all perish. 
Uh, and so the second giving of the law to the second generation is the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? In both Leviticus, the first giving, and Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, Moses tells Israel that they're going to be disobedient, they're going to reject the Lord, and he's going to kick them out of the land. Okay? They're going to be dispersed among the nations. That's where we get the word diaspora. Um, well, this is what happens. Uh, and so in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29, um, the, the Lord pronounces through Jeremiah the prophet that, uh, that Israel is going to be kicked out of the land for 70 years. Right? 70 years. Um, and, and we've talked about this some, but the more, the more you hear this, it just kind of sinks deeper in and it makes more sense. And so, um, so Jeremiah, uh, the prophet, is uh, Daniel has already been hauled out uh, into captivity before Jeremiah. Uh, Je Jeremiah is writing right up until the point Daniel's hauled off into captivity in 605. Uh, and so now the 70 years have passed, and Daniel is wow. in Babylon, in exile, in the diaspora. Uh, and uh, let's pick it up in 9.2. In the first year of his reign, uh, the first year of, uh, of Darius uh, the Mede, the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books, verse 2, the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem. Uh, remember, the Lord judged um, uh, Israel because uh, they had not uh, for 70 um, uh, Sabbaths you know, honored the Lord and so um, so he was going to judge them for 70 years. Um, Yeah, it was the it was the seventy it was the seventh year the 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 the, uh, uh, the year of rest, right? And, yeah, it was it was to the land. So he was going to kick them out of the land and give the land their seventy years of rest. Um, and uh, so the the land was going to get its Sabbath rest. It was the seventh day and then the seventh year, right? Um, and so he kicks them out of the land for seventy years. Uh, and um, remember, as the story goes, if the Lord judges you, um, Israel, and you don't repent, then he's going to judge you seven times for your sins, sevenfold. Okay? And so the judgment here is 70 years. And so since they don't repent, the judgment is going to be 70 times seven years. Now, for translators um, who... Uh, you have to know how translation teams work. Um, they just get a group of people who know Hebrew and they say, translate this book. Okay. Well, um, the way that a word is used in one book is influenced by how it's used in previous, you know, previously throughout the Bible. And so they see this word that is translated weeks other places and they translate it weeks here. Um, but if you know the story, uh, and you, they, they ought to know better. They shouldn't translate it as 70 weeks. They should 
really translate as 70 sets of seven years um, because it's sevenfold judgment. But they're not theologians, they're translators. They translate language. They're linguists, okay? Uh, and, so, um, and so that's how we get 77s uh, or 70 weeks, but it's really 77, 70 sets of seven. And then that question is seven what? Well, seven sets, you know, seven years. Does that, does that help? Does that make I sense? wonder why in like nine two it says seven years and then 20 and nine twenty four it says 70 weeks. Why didn't you just say 490 years? Um, I mean, because uh, it's 77, so they're not putting, you have to be able to put Leviticus judgment sevenfold with Jeremiah with the reason they were judged. The judgment is years, and so the sevenfold judgment will also be years. They just see the word sevens and translate as weeks and move on. Right? Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of, um, and there's a lot of that, that that happens in between languages. Uh, you know, words that just don't translate well. So you kind of have to, you know, make something up, kind of. You know, that's, yeah. yeah. So, so there's there's the English word, and then there's Jesse's version of the Spanish word, and then we ask Gloria and say, "What is it really?" She's like, well, "Not so much, Jesse." <laughs> but the goal is to to make uh, to make sense of it. Is that is that helpful? Okay. Yep. Triumphal entry. Yep. Yeah. Then we're into that seventieth week, yep. which has lasted for two thousand. No. No. Okay. So. So the. So the. Okay. So. So let's look at nine twenty four again. Seventy. Uh, Seventy sevens have been decreed. Good. Seventy sevens have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish a transgression and to make uh, an end to sin, to bring, uh, to make atonement for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree, right? So, so this, this is a beginning point from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So the clock didn't start when this prophecy was given. The prophecy was given, and in the prophecy, uh, the beginning point is is spelled out. And the beginning point for the uh, uh, for this set of weeks is going to be the decree to restore uh, the building uh, to, uh, and to rebuild uh, Jerusalem. Okay, uh, there will be seven weeks, and then sixty-two weeks. And it will be built again with the plaza and the moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. Okay. So the beginning point of the 60, uh, you know, 69 weeks, 7 and 62 is given. And also the end point of the 69 weeks is given. The end point is Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. Uh, and, Which is what exactly? Uh, event. The crucifixion. It's where iniquity, uh, you know, atonement is made and all that. Okay? And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy 
the uh, uh, the city and the sanctuary. Let me pull this up and see if I can. Um, well, I'm not going to be able to show it to you, but let me uh, double check. Uh, we are working on getting uh, a uh, projector uh, in here, uh, and and we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. So uh, um, let me just check something real quick. Verse twenty six. Make sure I'm not lying to you. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, Okay, so there's there's the there's in in translation, um, it's hard because it's hard to translate syntactical construction. Um, you can kind of do it, uh, but it's it's not particularly easy, uh, and there's some debate. Okay, um, there's a there's a, a a structure in Hebrew. Uh, this this of course is in Aramaic, but this, this structure in both Hebrew and Aramaic, it's called a preterite where things continue. And then there's a disjunctive clause. A disjunctive clause is an interruption or uh, a temporal mark. Okay. Um, and so you can see the, the connective string that continues all the way through. And then there's, a, okay, then this will happen, but it's not connected to it. Does that make sense? This is all continuous and then Later, this will happen. Okay. Well, that's the construction that is in uh, in Hebrew. It says, "Then after the sixty-two weeks, will Messiah will be cut off and have nothing." That's the end of the string. And then the people of the prince to who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Okay. Now, um, so the end of the sixty-two weeks is at Christ's crucifixion, but the uh, which is Let's just say that Christ was, for a simple discussion sake, let's say that Christ was born in year zero. Okay, <laughs> you know that there's some dating issues. Uh, so his death would be 33, but the destruction of the city and the sanctuary uh, by the Romans is not until 70. Okay, so there's a there's a break then. The, what ends the 62 weeks is Messiah cut off, and then these things are going to happen. Right, uh, and so now we're not in the continuous uh, chronology. Uh, so the city and the sanctuary will be cut off, and there will be flood, even uh, uh, to the end, even to the end. End of what? Now we're to the to the end of the story. We're all the way to the end. There will be war, and desolations are determined. Okay, hold your finger, and let's go to Matthew. Matthew 24. We're covering this in our men's Bible study too, but I'm telling you, I teach this a thousand days in a row uh, and hear it a thousand days in a row and it'll make more sense every time you hear it. So it's no problem if, even if you guys are uh, in, uh, uh, in the Bible study. That's okay. okay, so um, so let me get you up to speed on what's going on in Matthew chapter 24. Okay. Um, the book of Matthew um, is presenting Jesus as the promised Christ of the Old Testament, who has come to save his people from their sins. Who are his people? Israel, 
from their sins. Okay, so uh, so go back. Let's just kind of quickly uh, go through this. Uh, uh, go back to chapter one, verse 20, uh, 21. This is when the angel is uh, announcing to Mary, uh, uh, announcing to Joseph that Mary is pregnant and will, and will bear a child and will call his name Emmanuel. Okay, uh, And so here's what the angel says, uh, chapter one, verse 21. And she will bear a son and you will call his name Yahweh saves. That's what Yeshua means, Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was uh, spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Say, behold, the virgin will bear a child, will have a son and call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Okay? So he's born, calls the name Jesus. Starts quoting all these Old Testament passages. And so chapters 1 and chapters 2 are uh, proving the identity of Jesus as the Messiah concerning his birth and childhood. Okay? Chapter 3 uh, then is demonstrating Jesus as the Christ uh, by um, fulfilling his promised uh, baptism anointing. Isaiah uh, chapter 40 verses 1 through 3. Baptism by John. Chapter 4 demonstrates that Jesus is the Christ through uh, proving that he is the last Adam, just as the first Adam uh, failed uh, in, uh, uh, in his temptation, the last Adam will not. Okay? 5 through 7 proves that Jesus is the Christ through his preaching. He's the greater Moses that the story was looking for. Okay? This is the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 8 and chapters 9 prove that Jesus is the Christ through uh, the miracles that he does. All of the prophecies promised in the Old Testament that he would heal the blind, cause the lame to walk, and all that, he does, right? Uh, and so then in chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples, uh, verse 5, and instructs them, do not go to the Gentiles, and do not go to the Samaritans. Go only to the perishing sheep of the house of Israel. <clears throat> Why only them? Because he came to save his people from their sins, right? Now, you have to know more of the story. Um, why, what was Israel's purpose? What were they created as a nation to do and be? They were to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. A kingdom of priests to who? Gentiles. To the Gentile nations, right? And so what the anticipation in the Old Testament is, is Christ would come, Messiah would come, uh, the servant, the suffering servant would come and lay down his life for the servant, Israel, so that the servant, Israel, would do their job and be a kingdom of priests to the nations. Right? So he's, he has come to redeem his people so that his people will proclaim his name among the nations. Right? And so this is what's happening. He sends them out. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Go to call Israel to repentance. Chapter 11 and chapter 12. Chapter 11 is the low, low chapter. Um, you know, uh, Jesus laments um, that if what he had done in these other cities, um, he had done, uh, if, if what Jesus had done in the cities of Israel, he would have done in Tyre and Sidon or wherever, Chorazin, uh, uh, they would have repented. But, uh, but they didn't, right? Um, 
Uh, and so Jesus exhorts Israel, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That is all Deuteronomy 28, Isaiah, Leviticus 26, Isaiah chapter 9, right? And they, they reject him, chapter 12. Uh, they say he's from Satan. And so Jesus then begins to speak to Israel in parables, but explains the parables to his disciples. And in so doing, fulfills Isaiah chapter 6, right? Uh, for in their case, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. I'm in 13, chapter 13, verse 14, which says, You, Israel, will keep on hearing, but you will uh, not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. And, uh, and uh, for the, the heart of this people, Israel, whatever says this people or uh, his people, it's Israel. Um, has become dull, their ears scarcely hear, they close their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and uh, understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. Return to the Lord, and he will restore them from captivity, he will bring them back into the land. Okay? And so Israel rejects, and so Christ now is teaching his disciples in parables, that's chapter uh, chapter 13, uh, uh, and, and now he's uh, doing miracles, feeding the 5,000. Um, it's not just the feeding the 5,000. It's feeding the 5,000, but telling his disciples, they're the ones they're supposed to feed them. They say, how can we feed them? We don't have food, right? And so Jesus is teaching his disciples how to feed people in his, in his absence. Does that make sense? And it's not going to be feeding with food. It's going to be feeding with the word, right? Does that make sense? Okay. Chapters um, 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Uh, and so chapters uh, 18, 19, 20, all the way up to 23, Jesus is teaching them about uh, the delay. The delay. The time in between the end of the 69 weeks and the 70th week. Okay? Um, the church age, the time that the gospel goes out to the Gentiles. The writer of Hebrews is going to explain Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Right? And so Christ has done his job. He has laid down his life for sin. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Uh, the, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so during this time, uh, Christ is operating as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalm 110, verse 4. And so all of the Bible is talking about this time, this delay in between Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and the end of the age. What's the end of the age? The end of Israel's rejection, right? That Israel, the times of the, well, the, the, the times of the Gentiles is, is actually, in Luke, refers to the time that the Gentiles rule over Israel. And so it actually includes Babylon, Medes, Persians, Greek, Roman, right? Uh, what we're talking about here more, the way Paul refers to this time is until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, right? Through Israel's rejection, the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. Um, the Lord is going to make Israel jealous, move them to angry, uh, anger, because the gospel is going to the Gentiles. Right, tracking? Okay. So chapter 24 uh, then Jesus is, um, came from the temple and was going away, and his disciples came up to point out the temple building to him. 
And he answered and said to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another, uh, which will not be torn down. Well, what's he referring to? The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the temple and the sanctuary. Right? They're in the city and the sanctuary. He's referring to Daniel. Uh, and he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be. Okay, now, um, so apparently they're walking past the temple. They're talking about the temple. And now they have made their way. Uh, if you've been to Israel, you remember this. Down the Kidron Valley and up to the next hill. The top of the next hill is the Mount of Olives. And they're looking back towards Temple Mount. And they ask him, all right, Jesus, um, can you explain this a little more? <laughs> all right, tell us, look at the question. When will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? Sign of your coming? He's with them. What are they talking about? He's been teaching them that he's going to go away, receive the kingdom, and return, and judge. Right? And so they're saying, okay, tell us about the timing of that. Uh, because the return of Christ coincides with the repentance of Israel, and the repentance of Israel coincides with the end of the age. Good? Okay. And so Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, will mislead many. Right? We've had a bunch of those. David Crash. And there's a whole bunch of And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened. For those things must take place, but it is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation. And a kingdom against kingdom. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But these are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. Then uh, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations on account of my name. Remember, he's talking to Jewish disciples. And at that time, many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, end of what? End of the age, shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, Standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him not go into the household and get his, uh, you know, to, to uh, get his things. Uh, and let him who is in the field not go back, turn back to get his cloak. Woe to those who are with child in those days, nursing babes in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has never occurred uh, since the beginning of the world until now, nor shall ever be. And unless those days had been cut, cut short, no one would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days have been cut short. So, someone says, here's the Christ, or there's a Christ, don't believe it. False Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. Did you catch that? They will show great signs and wonders. I, when I ask seminary students or people, how do you know a prophet? They say, 
um, miracles. If what he says comes true, I'm going, no, no, no. Uh, they will do signs and wonders. And those signs and wonders will come true. They will profess them and they're going to have them. Don't listen. Okay? Um, the Lord your God is testing you, Deuteronomy 13. Um, so they're going to mislead many, even the elect, if possible. Uh, but I told you in advance, if therefore they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, don't go forth. There's any rooms, don't go forth. Don't believe them, right? How will you know when the return of Christ is? Just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes across to the west, so shall the Son of Man be. Um, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. So if he says, here he is or there he is, don't believe it. He'll be coming on the clouds. You won't miss this, I promise. Right? Okay, now, go back to, to Daniel chapter 9. So Jesus is talking about the... Uh, this 70th week in Matthew chapter 24. Okay. Back to verse chapter 9, verse 26. Uh, then after the, the uh, 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. That's what they were just talking about. Okay, And uh, its end will come with a flood. Even uh, to the end, there will be war. And desolations are determined. You know, wars and rumors of wars. These are only the birth pangs of our God. Then he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. All right, there's your marker. There's the beginning of the last set of seven years. Okay? We had a beginning of the first 69 years with the firm covenant, or with the, uh, the um, a decree. Uh, and an end of the 69 years with the death of Christ. Now the beginning of the 70th set of seven years will begin with the firm covenant and will end with his return. Does that make sense? So the translators translated at one week, but how would they have said one, it back One set of, well, uh, in, in chapter, it says, uh, uh, Literally, uh, uh, he will make a, uh, this is in verse 27, uh, and he will uh, uh, make a, uh, a strong, a, a gabor is, a, it's, a, it's the word for um, a warrior, okay? Uh, but it's used as an adjective here, adjective to describe the covenant. It is a strong covenant, that's how they translate it. Uh, uh, with the many, for one seven. They would say one seven. Yeah, one seven. Um, and in the Hatsi, uh, remember that when we went over in Israel, we don't know the half of it. Well, this is this is the half. And in the half of it, or in the middle of it, right, uh, he will put a stop to, to sacrifice and to grain offerings. On the wing of abomination comes one who makes desolate. Okay? And so he's laying out the beginning of the 70th set of seven years, the middle of the 70th uh, of the seven years, and the end. Okay? And so, so the, it's not a continuous, uh, it wasn't continuous from the start. Um, there was a, this is when it starts, this is when it stops, here's the delay, this is when it starts, this is when it stops, and this is the midpoint. Is that making sense? It's very detailed. 
very very specific and uh, and uh, and detailed. And this is what uh, what Christ is talking about in Matthew chapter chapter twenty four. Yeah. And the disciples understood it. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like they Yeah, he's saying here's your big markers, right? Uh, so you've got uh, Christ cut off, destruction of the city, right? Then uh, you have uh, rumors and wars and all that stuff. Okay, yeah. And then uh, firm covenant for one week. And then uh, the cutting off of the sacrifice and grain offering. Now, the this, this sacrifice and grain offering is in the temple. So the temple is destroyed, but the temple has to be rebuilt. And so in Ezekiel, you get this, uh, you know, instruction on the rebuilding of the temple. Say, wait a second, rebuilding of the temple. During the time of Ezekiel, the temple was there. Um, and then the, Bab the Babylonians come and destroy the temple. And then the temple is rebuilt again, and this is Herod's temple. Uh, now, why do we need the second temple? The second, so we have the first temple. Solomon's temple, torn down with Babylon. The second temple um, is uh, Herod's temple. It's built back up. It's kind of a shinny shack. After the restoration, uh, uh, partial restoration of Israel coming back into the land, they build a temple. Why? So that Christ can enter into it. It's basically, you know, hey, we're going to build a building so that uh, the, the glory of the Lord will enter back into it, and then it's going to be. Um, and then there will be the last temple. And so all of these things are spelled out in the Old Testament. Um, but if you don't, we don't know because we don't read the Old Testament. The Gentiles were like, why don't we read the Old Testament? Um, because you've been taught that the only reason to read your Bible is for application. And you're going, yeah, this doesn't apply to me, so I don't care. Right? So the 70th, in order for the 70th week to start, the temple has to be built already. Is that correct? It has to, well. Or is that to be built before the midpoint? It has to be built uh, before the midpoint so that you can put a stop to sacrifice. So not necessarily, not won't necessarily be built before that. My suspicion, and this is a suspicion, so this is not Bible. There's no verse that says this. Um, my, sus my suspicion is that the firm covenant will allow for the building of the temple. Firm covenant meaning the peace treaty between Israel and uh, between uh, Antichrist and Israel. Uh, they will build the temple. Um, they're, they're saying it'll take about three and a half years to build the temple. I think that's about right. Who's saying that? That's what the estimates are on how long Currently. it takes. Yeah. And, uh, and so on opening day, Antichrist walks in and says, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't even think they get to offer any sacrifices in there. Um, but that's just that's it has just, to be built uh, back on exactly the original uh yes um i, I okay so uh, let me draw a picture here uh see if y'all can uh, see this um okay okay so so we're if we're looking at temple mount 
from from the south looking towards the north. Okay, I'll draw you two pictures. Okay, kind of goes like this down here and goes up like this. We did this actually, uh, I think, last week and last week too. Uh, so, so the Temple Mount kind of sits here. Uh, so these are the southern steps. That's where we had our little yeah. Uh, this goes down. Uh, so this is from the south. Uh, so you know, between here, 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 eastern side here, the western side here. Uh, if you go down this uh, hill into the Kidron Valley, uh, this is, um, uh, and then just start up the other side. This is uh, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and then this, this is actually right. This this hill actually comes out this way, uh, and so about right here, uh, about right there is a church with a steeple. This is the Church of Ascension. Okay, it sits on the Mount of Olives. Okay, and so the triumphal entry. The next hill over is Bethany. Okay, so Christ comes from Bethany. Triumphal entry goes down to uh, probably down to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, and then uh, into uh, into the Yes, uh, this side. The beautiful gate is on this side. Uh, yeah. Uh, the western wall is here. This is the Wailing Wall. Uh, and it's as close as the Jews can get to the Temple Mount. And so that's where they petition their prayers. Why? Uh, because they know the Bible. <laughs> because um, uh, you know the verse, but you've applied it to yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear their prayer offered from this place. This place, this place. But if they reject me, then I will tear this place down and I will disperse them among the nations and I will not hear their prayers. Right? And so the prayers offered from this place, they're going, oh, okay, well, we're supposed to offer prayers from this place. Right, Second Chronicles 7, 14, 19, 20. Okay, all right, now, um, so, so now I want to kind of walk, I want to walk us around this side and look at, the temple plaza from this side hill, okay? Okay, so so the hill kind of runs like this, uh, and, you know, there's uh, up here, uh, there's, so, you know, it kind of goes like that. There's the southern steps, right? Now we're looking at it from the, uh, from the east, okay? Um, there's the wall, uh, and there's the beautiful gate, which is about right here, uh, and the golden dome sits about there. Okay. Um, that's Moses. Yes, that's that's what we're talking about. Straight behind this, if you're looking, if you're lined up with the, uh, the beautiful gate, you'd see a steeple back there. Um, that steeple is uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Okay. Uh, now um, we know that if you entered in from the beautiful gate, it goes straight into the temple. Okay. Well. That's not straight into the temple. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Straight into the temple is straight towards uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Okay? So there's actually room up there on Temple Mount to rebuild the temple, probably where it stood. But that spot is under Muslim control right now. That whole plaza is under Muslim control. Yeah, they can't get there. there. That's, yeah. So the... the uh, so the, the firm covenant, the agreement to rebuild the temple, I don't they, they don't have to tear that down to build it. 
And uh, I don't think that's what's going to happen. So with that firm covenant, you think that's what's going to allow the Jews to access that area? Oh, yeah. Firm covenant will, be, will allow them to access. It's not just a peace treaty. It's like no, no. It's, it's, it's a covenant uh, to, you know, it allows them back on Temple Mount. It allows them to rebuild. Uh, but I don't think the Lord's going to allow them to do sacrifices on the Temple Mount. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so kind of resummarize the, the question and, and respond. Um, so, yeah, the, the Antichrist will, uh, he will kind of be the leader of the nations, so to speak, and he's going to cut a peace covenant with Israel. Now, it's a false peace, right? Um, they view it as peace, but it's a false peace. And so when we get over to Revelation chapter 6, uh, and you get into the uh, the uh, seal judgments. Um, look at Revelation chapter six. Um, look at the second seal. The first seal, uh, uh, six one. I, when I saw uh, and I saw the lamb, broke one of the seven seals. Uh, the the land deed is sealed with seven seals who could break it. And so he's mourning. John is mourning. There's no one can break it. And the, the angel says, why are you, why are you mourning? The, the worthy is the lamb who was slain. He's the one who can open the seals. Okay. And so chapter six, he starts to open the seals. The lamb broke one of the seven seals. And I heard the four living creatures saying with a loud uh, thunder, come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, uh, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The word there, conquering and to conquer, is, uh, or overcoming and to overcome. Um, throughout John's writings, Christ, is, Christ and Christ believers are the ones who overcome. Okay. Uh, it's the word Nike. If you wear Nike shoes, you know a little bit of Greek. That's the word. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, when he broke the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, come, and another red horse went out. Uh, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth. What peace? It's actually peace from the land. What peace? Remove the false peace. In other words, you got to get Israel to reject their Antichrist. Um, uh, it was granted to take, uh, that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So this is war. Uh, and then uh, the third seal is famine, and the fourth seal is death. Now, 
these judgments come right out of Deuteronomy 26 uh, and uh, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. Um, these are judgments that the Lord pours out on Israel to bring them to repentance. Okay, now, um, when we go back through the book of Revelation, what we're going to see is in the first half of the of the 70th seven, the, the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, the first half, these two witnesses appear, and they are calling judgments down upon Israel. Now, Israel has entered into a false peace with Antichrist, and so these these are kind of like two agitators over there causing problems uh, for uh, the people, calling down these judgments from God, uh, And uh, but Israel doesn't think they're from God. Uh, and so uh, Antichrist uh, eventually has them killed. And uh, so the story goes, Israel sends presents to each other. Oh, this is great. Wonderful, wonderful. Our problem people, people causing our problems have been done away with. Uh, and they lay dead in the streets for three days. And then uh, a voice comes from heaven saying, come up here. And these two witnesses stand up. They're resurrected. And they ascend into heaven. Now, at the same time, is the abomination of desolation, where Antichrist goes into the temple, proclaims himself to be God. Israel realizes we have chosen the wrong side, uh, and they repent. Right? Israel um, believes in the Christ, and um, also at this time, there is war in heaven. Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the people of Israel, is waging war with Satan in heaven, and Satan is cast out of heaven, cast down to the earth, and now Satan is going to pursue uh, Israel into the wilderness to kill her. Okay? When you see the abomination of desolations, let the reader understand. Flee to the wilderness. <laughs> Satan is going to kill you. Don't go back for your coat. Don't go back for your stuff. All right? Flee. And so all of this is happening at the same time. Um, and so we're, we're getting uh, Bible passage laid on top of Bible passage, laid on top of Bible passage, and they're all filling in the details of what's happening during this 70th week. Okay? Uh, then they will look upon him whom they pierced. Turn over to Zechariah. Uh, so Zechariah is, if you go to Matthew and turn left, three books. They're little books. Okay? The first two are long. Yeah, Malachi, turn left, Haggai. Turn left, Zechariah. Okay. Uh, let's pick it up in Zechariah chapter 9. If I can get there. Zephaniah, keep going on. Haggai, keep going Here it is. Okay. All right. So now this is post-exile. Israel's back in the land. They're being exhorted to build the temple. Okay. Chapter 9. Um, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. I'm in 9.9. Nine. Shout for triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble, and mounted on a donkey, even the colt, the foal of a donkey. Okay? Uh, he is coming to put an end 
to sin, uh, to make uh, atonement for iniquity. All of those things were talked about in Daniel chapter 9. Here he comes. Right? So Zechariah is looking to the triumphal entry of Christ. Uh, and this is where Christ will be cut off and will have nothing. Okay? Um, and um, so then uh, uh, chapter uh, 10, chapter 11, Israel rejects, rejects their Christ. Um, they're going to be shepherded by foolish shepherds as they're waiting for their true shepherd to come. Chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they will look upon me whom they have pierced. They will mourn for him. And look on him whom they have pierced. Uh, and they will mourn for him. Um, it's interesting here. Some of the um, manuscripts read, they will look upon me whom they pierced. Others, they will look upon him whom they pierced. What's the difference? There is an end. Look upon the Lord, whom they pierced, uh, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping of, over a firstborn. In that day there will be great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of uh, Hadramon in the plain of uh, Megiddo. And the land will mourn. Every family by itself, every uh, the family of the house of David by itself, the wise by this self, the house of Nathan by and so on. In that day, chapter 13, verse 1, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for impurity. Right? Now, it was opened at his crucifixion, but Israel didn't believe. But now they will look upon him whom they pierced, they will believe. So a fountain of healing will be open for them. Is that making sense? Can you hear me? We're yelling over the uh, we're, we're yelling over the rain that's beating on the roof right now. You keep all fine. Okay. <coughs> so uh, then the Lord will cut off uh, prophets. There will be no need for prophecy. Uh, the Lord is coming. Uh, then behold, the day is coming. For the Lord, with uh, the spoil will be taken, will be divided among you. Fourth chapter fourteen. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. The cities will be captured. Uh, the city will be captured. The houses plundered. The women ravished. Half of the city exiled, but the rest of it, uh, the people will uh, will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth. And fight against the nations as when he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split down the middle from the east to the west. And a very large valley will be opened so that half of the mountain will be moved to the north and half to the south. So this is where Jesus is standing with his disciples. They just went through the temple. They say, man, isn't this great? Look at this temple. And he says, yeah, it's going to be destroyed. They say, okay, tell us more. He says, well, come with me to the Mount of Olives. Let me explain it to you. So he goes to the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. He says, all right. They ask him, so what will be the uh, the sign of your coming in the end of the age? He says, don't let anybody see you. 
There'll be wars and rumors of wars. All this is going to take place. Then there's going to be great tribulation. And then there's going to be the abomination of desolation. Then there's going to be a great tribulation where they pursue you into the wilderness. Then I'm going to come. My feet are going to touch down right here, where we're standing. Then I'm going to wipe them. It's not a bad sermon. I'm like to have been there to hear that. And so uh, Zechariah chapter uh, chapter 14, when we get to the return of Christ in Revelation chapter 19, verse, verses 11 and following, this is where Christ's return happens. Does it make sense? And so we can't just go through the book of Revelation. We've got to go through all of these Old Testament passages so that when we see what the book of Revelation is saying, you know the context within which it's being said. So uh, the reason why there's so much debate on the book of Revelation is because there's so much ignorance about the Bible. Right? Um, so, well, you know, just good's going to overcome evil. No, it's a lot bigger. All of the detail has been given throughout the 66 books of the Bible. The, the 65, the 66 books is just saying, here's the conclusion of it. Is that making sense? Am I tracking with that? Um, so the extent to which you know the first 65 books is the extent to which the 66 book is going to make sense to you. Uh, there's a lot of interest in the book of Revelation. Uh, they say, oh yeah, let's study the book of Revelation. I say, okay, turn to Genesis. They're uh, it is how this always goes, right? If, if I'm teaching uh, one of our courses, Daniel, uh, or, you know, Hebrews, General Epistle Revelation, um, I'll say, okay, this is what this is. They go, whoa, 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 why, why is it that? Why can't it be this? I'm going, you've had 101, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, and now we're in 107, and you didn't learn anything in 101, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106. Why can't it be that? Because you're because that's not what the Bible says. So go back and study. That's what I want to say. I don't say it that way, but that's what I want to tell them. We've been doing it for six classes. What do you mean it couldn't be that? It could be, you know, daisies and fairy tales, but it's not. <laughs> the return of Christ happens on the Mount of Olives. It couldn't happen in Katy, Texas, or in Brenham, you know, on Bluebell Mountain. No, why not? Because it says it's going to happen on Temple or on the on the Mount of Olives. It's too hard for you to understand. You need to go back, <laughs> go back and read. Does that make sense? All right, so, uh, so all of this is building, building, building. The language is building. The problem is when we study a book or study a passage. It'd be like saying, "I'm going to study uh, a scene of a movie." How can you study a scene of a movie devoid of the context of the whole movie? You wouldn't know what anything was happening in that scene or why it was happening or why it mattered. You can, you know, you can only make sense of that scene if you oriented it for the rest of the, the rest of the movie. Does that make sense? That's what we're doing. Question. So, Daniel 9, 26, uh, and it's in the coming of the flood, even to the end, then it could go to uh, 15 and uh, so the serpent pulled water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the blood. Is that? No. No, he's a, um, 
this is at the end of the um, the, the mid trip point is okay. where it, chapter so so okay. in chapter twelve. So turn to Daniel. I'm sorry. Turn to Revelation chapter twelve. Okay. So in Revelation chapter twelve, what are we talking about here? So remember, um, in chapter uh, chapter ten, at the end of chapter ten, they, uh, um, John is told, and they said to me, "You must prophesy again concerning many peoples, many nations, many tongues, uh, and many kings." Okay. Uh, and so now he's going to, in, in chapters uh, uh, 6 through 10, he's gone through the 70th week, the 70th seven, one time. Now he's going to go back and go through it again. The first half of the tribulation, this is the two witnesses. Okay? Uh, and then you get to the midpoint of the tribulation, this is the woman. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars, and she was with child. She cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth, and behold, a great red dragon, uh, having uh, uh, seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. She gave birth, when she, uh, that when she would give birth, give birth to a son, the child. She gave birth to a son, the male. This is the Christ. So it's just talking back about Christ's birth. Uh, that the son was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up uh, to God. And the woman fled into the wilderness, right? So Israel destroyed, woman's in the wilderness. Uh, Jerusalem's destroyed. Uh, place prepared for God, he might be nourished for uh, 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael, uh, with his angels, waging war against the dragon and the dragon against the angels. They were not strong enough. And so the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, uh, and his angels were thrown down with him. Uh, and I heard a loud voice saying, Salvation and power uh, and uh, the kingdom of God and authority of Christ has come, for the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, uh, who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the word, uh, the blood of the Lamb. See that over, overcoming word again. Uh, because of the word of their testimony, and did, did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, uh, knowing that uh, his time is short. And so this is the mid-trib where Michael casts Satan to the earth. Satan pursues the woman into the wilderness. Uh, who had given birth to the child so that he might destroy the woman. So, um, in, in, like I said, as you, as you go through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, the Minor Prophets, Song of Moses, um, you're, you're getting, every time you go through, you're getting more and more and more detail. But all of those books are still referring to the same end okay um and so you're getting more and more detail the more you read these different uh, different authors so help them so there's a lot to know here by the time you get to revelation um and uh and so we'll we'll continue to build the build the story as we as we go good okay um
Any other, we've got a couple minutes, any other questions? Well, that's what people say, uh, but there's a whole lot of kind of popular level stuff that says, you know, seven is completeness. Where does it say that? Where does it say 40 is testing? They were tested for 40 years uh, in the wilderness. Um, um, you know, Doctor, one of our professors, Dr. Hannah, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek used to say, uh, he said on his 80th birthday, he said, all right, now I'm, I'm ready to be used by the Lord because, uh, you know, Moses was eight. You know, well, <laughs> you know, uh, then they'll say number 10 is completeness and number, and I'm going, okay, you can't just make stuff up. Right? Um, there are significance to numbers because you see those numbers repeated, uh, but the meaning of that, um, uh, you know, is contextually determined. Right. Well, it's, it's you know, um, so David reigned for 40 years. Solomon apparently reigned for 40 years. Is those 40 years of testing? Um, and then it comes in like 37 years and three years and some months. And you're going, ah, maybe it was just 40 years. Uh, 40, made for, reigned for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, I don't know. Do you get COVID for 40? I, you know. Pregnant for 40 weeks. Pregnant for 40 weeks, that's testing. Um, <laughs> it's the 40 years after the 40 weeks that are the problem. They're the testing. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So uh, if the Bible tells us the significance of things, then we know. If the Bible doesn't tell us, then I, I, I don't think we should speculate. Um, so it, when we get back to the book of Revelation, you say, well, what is this? I, say, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? It doesn't say. It, it doesn't say. I, I don't know. Yeah. There are prophets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there are at least two more that come for sure. Um, so the question is, is the gift of prophets and prophecy, and, and it's a much bigger discussion, and, and the discussion is called cessationalism, uh, the cessation of the gifts. Um, let me give you the, the three-minute answer because that's what we've got. Um, so... The, in the early 1900s, 1906, Zusa Street, there's a, a whole movement that begins in California. If it's weird, it either begins in, if it's globally weird, then it begins in Germany. If it's nationally weird, it begins in California. Okay. Um, um, where they were teaching healing and you know, the miraculous gifts, speaking in tongues, healing, prophecy, apostleship. And so you hear these people saying, I'm an apostle, I have the gift of healing, I speak in tongues, and it's all just a bunch of gobbledygook, okay? Um, 
The response to that was unfortunate. The response was, instead of responding with the Bible and saying, look, you're saying you're speaking in tongues. This is what the Bible says, and this isn't what you're doing. Uh, the response was, um, those gifts have ceased. Okay. Well, um, tongues, as used in the Bible, have not ceased. See? See? Tongues. Uh, uh, if uh, I was watching, I was flipping channels last night, and there was some uh, Korean, I think it was Korean church on, and a guy was speaking in English, and there was a translator in Korean. And I'm going, yep, that's tongues in the church. A preacher who didn't know that language was, so he was speaking in a foreign tongue to the hearer. Uh, and the reason it was edifying to the body is because there was a translator there to speak. Right. See, the biblical definition of tongue is language. Language. It's not gobbledygook. It's a language. Used for edification. Yeah. Uh, there's no prayer language or any of that stuff. It's, you know. Um, and, and there was a miraculous in the hear in the hearing. Yeah, the hearing. Yeah, they heard in their own language. Yeah, they, yeah. And there's a funny story about that. Two professors used to team teach a Dr. Pentecost and Stan Toussaint used to teach a uh, course in PhD course in Acts, and. Um, and the student asked a question, and Dr. Tuesday answered, and he said, well, there's really two views to this. There's one view that it was the miraculous uh, speaking ability, uh, you know, this, the people were, uh, the, the, the Peter and the, the, the disciples were miraculously able to speak in other languages than what they knew. He said, and then there's the ridiculous view uh, that uh, there were the, the miracles in the hearing. Dr. Pentecost, what, hold, what view, view do you hold to? He says, I hold the ridiculous view. <laughs> and so was it, uh, was it the, the, the miracle in the speaking or in the hearing? Either way, it was they were either speaking foreign languages or hearing in their own native language. And so, and so prophets, so if someone walks in and says, okay, I'm a prophet, I'm saying, all right, let's see. There is a test for the prophet. Um, uh, Deuteronomy 13 is a test for the prophet. Ezekiel 13, test for the prophet. Do their words match the words of the Bible? Right? If they don't, well, guess what they are? False prophet. Now, uh, whenever they say, well, I'm a prophet, and then you say, okay, well, let's, let's put you to the test of the prophet. And if you're a false prophet, what are you supposed to do with a false prophet? Uh, yeah, you're just stoning them to death. They're going, well, I'm not so much. But, you know, so they want to change the rules, right? They want to change the rules for tongues. They want to change the rules for prophecy. They want to change the rules uh, for healing. I love it when a bald guy says he has the gift of healing. You're going, yeah. How about starting the mirror, you know? Um, anytime that uh, someone speaks, you are to bring it back to the text. Yeah. And so we get a cessation of revelation verse from Corinthians, which is it? Which is out of uh, is out of context. Uh, it's the words of the apostles and prophets. That's it, right? Now, um, 
can a prophet, the Lord can do whatever he wants whenever he wants because he's running the joint. He's not, okay? um, and so there are at least two prophets that come on the scene in the future. Right? Um, can he send more? I don't make the rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and so that's the opposite. Most of the prophets are doing. That's what most of the prophets are doing is, is explaining. Um, you know, forth telling. That's what Paul does. Yeah, Paul. Not uh, predicting necessarily. Not predicting the, the future or foretelling what's going to happen, but proclaiming the word of the Lord. Yeah. So we'll talk about that one. That's a good discussion. Yeah. So I wish we would have responded biblically. Uh, and shut down this whole thing because then the debate becomes have the miraculous gifts cease or not? And then you have to explain, well, which ones are miraculous and which ones aren't? And why did some cease and some didn't? And what's the textual warrant for it? And there is no, you really get into a, a you, you can't prove it from the text. It makes it difficult. But if someone's up there yammering in some tongue, you're going, I don't know what you're doing. And it's not what the Bible is. It's you just shut it down. Good, good questions, guys. Let me close the word of prayer. We're done. Lord, thanks for our time today. And Lord, we do lift up service to you and uh, just our church and all the COVID stuff going on. And uh, Lord, just continue to to, uh, to guide us and be with us. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to gather uh, to uh, to study. Thank you for the flexibility of our of our folks to to pull this off. Uh, again, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.